If you got your Bible, turn over to uh, the book of Isaiah. And we're going to be looking at a few verses in uh, Isaiah 64. I got my big Bible out this week so I can see it. Kind of. Isaiah 64, we're going to be looking at the first nine verses, one through nine. Start in verse one. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and you have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. The word of God for the people of God. I don't know if y'all remember or not. Probably not. Um, if I were you, I wouldn't remember. But last year, the, from the first Sunday, of, first Sunday of Advent, the title of my sermon was Advent Begins in the Dark. Advent Begins in the Dark. And that is kind of where we're going to be starting this year as well. In our first set of scriptures, this uh, first Sunday of Advent, what we find, what we locate here, is the prophet Isaiah lamenting. He's lamenting over the sins of Israel. And he is pleading for God's mercy. He is pleading for God's intervention at the conclusion of our, of our scripture reading this morning. If you look in your pews, you don't have to do it right now, but you've probably noticed by this point there's a there's some papers at each end of the pew. That's for you guys to take home and, and, uh, and uh, look over, pray over if you'd like to. Because what Isaiah here is doing here, this is a prayer of lament. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit more um, as I conclude this morning about what, what it means to lament, what lamentations are, what a lamenting type of prayer is. Um, but those papers that you got are, are, again, they should explain it a little bit better. And hopefully, hopefully they'll draw your attention to it better. This is a... This is a uh, this is a wonderful type of prayer. It's a wonderful practice um, um, to engage in. Um, but you'll see what I'm talking about, I believe, here, here shortly. Um, so all of this lamenting, all of this pleading for God's mercy, all of this talk of sin and all that, all that stuff. This doesn't sound like a Christmas message, does it, Jerry? 
this doesn't sound nice and nice and happy at all. Where's the, where's the hope? Where's the love? Where's the, where's the peace and the, and the joy? I also pointed out to you last year that love, hope, peace, and joy have not always been the themes for Advent. In the medieval church, the themes for Advent were death, judgment, heaven, and hell. That sounds like a good time, doesn't it? But those were the themes for Advent, and they were, they were particularly laid out each week in that order. That was intentional so that the subject of hell would be preached on the last Sunday prior to Christmas. The idea, the idea there was that they were trying to show how the light of Christ burst through the darkness on Christmas morning, on Christmas Day, both in His birth and, of course, as we look forward to His return. Again, though, this isn't something we want to hear today, is it? That's not something we want to talk about at Christmas. We don't want to talk about death and judgment and, and sin and, and hell and those kind of stuff. We want to be surrounded by angels and candles and wreaths and ho-ho-ho. Don't get me wrong, I'm the same one. Y'all know that I put my Christmas tree up on November 1st. <laughs> I'm the same way. But that's not what Advent's about. Advent, Advent is not Christmas. Advent is not for the faint of heart. And what we discovered today, we're going to continue to, to explore um, in, the next, in the next several weeks. Because our situation today is very much like the scene that we see in our scripture from Isaiah. It's a time of desperation. It's a time of desperation. It's a time of suffering. It is a time of lament and sorrow. People calling on God. People begging God to have mercy and to, again, intercede on their behalf. We continue to live into this darkness today. Let's do something that a lot of us have done over the last few months. Let's, let's break down 2020. Here's some Advent questions for you. Here's some stuff that we should be lamenting on, crying out to God. And I'm sure many of us do. We probably have very often over the last several months. But God, why do we continue to suffer from an invisible virus that has taken the lives of over a quarter million Americans? We have probably asked God that question numerous times. Why? Are we experiencing the levels of political distress and contention unlike many, any other than we've seen in our lifetimes? Why is there so much injustice? Why is there so much violence and exasperated racial tension? These are Advent questions. Christians have been asking these questions since the first century as they look forward to the coming of Christ. We live in this period of time, and I think I've talked to you guys about this stuff right now. Jesus' coming initiated the kingdom of heaven on earth. We got that redemption. We got that reconciliation. We got to have that relationship with God that they couldn't, people couldn't have before. That was the miracle of Christ. That was the initiation of God's kingdom on earth. But it hasn't been fulfilled yet. We're living into it, but it hasn't been fulfilled yet, and it won't be fulfilled until Christ comes back. So we're in that area, we're in that time of tension, just as they were in the first century, as they expected Christ to come back any day. Y'all can read your Bibles and know that. First century church expected Christ to come back any moment. It didn't happen. 
They suffered far worse than we are suffering, by the way. They suffered real persecution, real death, real torment. Ask any of the original 11 disciples. But that's where we live. We live in that tension. We still live in this sinful world. We still live in the darkness. We don't know why God hides his face in this situation. We don't know why Jesus doesn't come back. We know he's coming back, but we don't know why. Just, where are you? Why do you do this? Why do you allow this? Why do you delay? Why do you allow this mass suffering to continue? Let's be honest. We ask ourselves these questions. And it's okay to ask God those questions. God knows what you're thinking anyway. But this is the stuff that we wrestle with, just as they wrestled with 2,000 years ago. What we have as Christians, what we have as Christians that the rest of the world doesn't have. That right there. We have hope because we know how the story ends. We have hope because we know that one day, despite all of this, despite all of this, despite all the pain and the suffering, we know how the story ends. We know that Christ does come back, just as He came 2,000 years ago. And He's coming back for one reason and one reason only, to restore what He had originally intended to create. And that is a world where all this stuff doesn't exist, where the violence doesn't exist, the hate doesn't exist, the contention doesn't exist. Those are, even, those are even unknown things. We don't know nothing about that stuff. That's the kind of hope that we have as Christians. God's going to restore that chaos into order. He's going to bring that justice, that righteousness, establishing that kingdom on earth. The first Sunday on Advent is not about the first coming of Christ. It's not about the birth of baby Jesus. No, it's about his second coming. Just as we recite in our Apostles' Creed, when he comes back to judge the living or the quick and the dead, just as he kept his promises in the Old Testament, just as he kept his covenants in the Old Testament, we can rest assured he's going to keep that covenant with us. In a very real sense, the church is lived in this weird, weird time between times. So anyway, going back to our scripture, um, the vast majority of Isaiah consists of, 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 the, of the prophet voicing God's assessment of Israel's failure to live up to that covenant. Remember, I just mentioned that covenant. They had a covenant. God made a covenant uh, with Israel under the Mosaic law. And a lot of what Isaiah talks about and a lot of, a lot of what a lot of the prophets talk about is Israel's failure to, uh, to, to be able to live up to this, to be able to live up to the law and, uh, and being without, out of relationship with God. What God promised to them, if they obeyed these types of this covenant, He promised them security, He promised them peace, He promised them prosperity. Um, they, in return, promised that they would worship Him. And they uh, promised that they would observe the law that He gave them. Just like a lot of the other prophets, uh, Isaiah proclaims the people's failure to obey God's law, and especially the leaders. The leaders, especially... Had a, had a bad propensity not to follow the law of God. They were, they were interested in other things. And this, this is kind of stuff we've talked about the last three or four weeks. I'm not going to go too, too, too detailed into it. But Isaiah is pretty specific about some stuff. And, and, uh, and, and 
He also gives some real prophecy, by the way. If we were to go a little bit beyond where we went this morning, in chapter 6 of 5, 65, you're going to see, remember, remember where we are in the Bible. Remember the time. This is Isaiah. This is, this is Old Testament prophets. Long, 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 long before Christ. Isaiah predicts, Isaiah prophesies the coming of the Messiah. You'll see the words, a new heaven and a new earth in chapter 65. Isaiah prophesies the second coming of Christ and the coming together. Upon that second return, get this now, this is awesome to me. This is awesome to me. I don't know where this idea comes along. I, I was taught this idea when I was coming up. I don't where the, know where this nonsense comes along that, that God's coming to destroy the earth. He's not. No scripture says that. God ain't come to destroy the earth. He's coming to bring them together. One kingdom, a new heaven, and a new earth. It doesn't get any more plain than that. The second coming of Christ is a good thing. <laughs> you know, all this apocalyptic talk and, 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 and uh, violence nonsense, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong, some of that stuff has to happen and will happen. But at the end of the day, the coming of Jesus is a good thing. I can't wait, personally. <laughs> I want to live, that's, that's the kind of world that I want to live in, man. Not this one, but I'll deal with what I've got right now. But I want to live in that kingdom. I look forward to that. That's not something for me to fear. That's not something for any of y'all to fear. Unfortunately, some should fear it. So don't misunderstand me what I'm saying on that. But for me and for you guys, it's going to be an awesome time. It's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be an awesome event. And that's what we look forward to. That's why we have the hope that we have. I told you that I was going to give you a definition of what it meant to lament. The dictionary definition basically means to express great sorrow or great regret. It is a very passionate expression of grief. And you see that today in the words of Isaiah. You see that today. You see that lament. You see that passionate, grief-stricken words of the prophet for the sins that are being committed by Israel. He's begging God for his mercy and for his intervention. But he's sad about this. He is grief-stricken. It's not just a simple, I'm sorry type of grief. It's real, on your knees, tears flow, and snot flying type grief. That's what it means to lament. Those are what prayers of lamentation are. Take a, take a look at those, if you have your Bible open, or if not, if you don't, you can take a look at it later. But right there in verse 1, there is a, there is a verse, there's the first words in verse 1. Isaiah writes, Oh, that you would, that you would rend the heavens and come down. To rend a garment in the ancient Jewish culture was a sign of deep mourning. In deep despair, it was an outward physical sign of what was taking place inside the soul. Isaiah kind of uses this imagery in this first verse as he breaks into this, this prayer of lament. As he pleads to God, um, for God, to mourn with us. But not just to mourn with us, but to get involved. To rend the heavens like a garment. To look at the chaos of the world that was surrounding Israel 
and to grieve alongside his people. Then he takes it a step further. He says, don't just grieve with us over all the things that are wrong, God, but come down and set it right. How many of us have prayed that prayer before? Come down and make it right, God, whether it's in our personal lives or, or some other situation. You can apply, certainly you can apply this to your personal life too. I'm not just talking about uh, communal lives. We've been talking about, a lot about systemic sins and, and our communal sins lately. But certainly you can apply this to your personal life as well. How many times have we prayed those prayers of desperation? God, just come down and help me. Please. That's what our prophet was feeling for the sins of Israel. Don't just grieve over these things. Come down and set it right. Don't just share our pain. Be active, God. Heal it. Eventually. Eventually. That is exactly what God does through the incarnation of Jesus. Who reconciles us to God. But as we celebrate this first day of Advent, we recognize again that it's not over yet. It's not over yet. We still live in this weird time between times, if you will. So what do we do? We lament. When was the last time any of us did this? When was the last time any of us had these types of prayers, pray these types of prayers? When was the last time that I lamented? When was the last time that you lamented both your personal sins and the sins of our communities? Even the sins of our churches. When was the last time that we grieved over those things, asking God to restore us? To restore our communities, to restore our world. I think, and I've told you guys this before, I think this is kind of where we find ourselves right now in 2020. All of us know this has been a weird year. Stuff that's going on this year doesn't happen. Okay? Don't, don't make this stuff normal because a lot of this stuff is not normal. This is abnormal. And I don't just mean the virus. I mean other stuff too. And y'all know what I'm talking about. It's one thing after another, after another, after another. Something is amiss. <laughs> Something is abnormal in our world right now. A lot of stuff is abnormal. And I've told you guys over the months now that God is doing something. I am not a prophet. I don't purport to know the mind of God. But I do know that he's doing something right now. And he's doing something for the glory of himself. And he's doing something for the glory and the good of his kingdom. I, I can say that with 100% assurance. I think, I think he's calling us back to some serious prayer. I think he's calling us back to a serious Christianity. I think, <laughs> do I say it? Am I talking about God at this point or am I talking about me? Uh, but if I had to guess, I think God's probably tired of our, of our social Christianity. Amen. I think God's probably a little bit sick of us having social clubs and, and, uh, and, and little get-togethers. And he wants the church to be the church. That is a church that honestly, truly, authentically in our personal lives, in our communal lives, in our church lives, as bodies of Christ, gather to truly worship Him, to truly live out His kingdom, to truly embrace the cause, the cause, C-A-L-L-S, of Jesus that we find in the Gospels, to be those people of love, 
that He calls us to be. Are we genuinely people of love? There's one Christian ethic. Y'all know that? There is one single Christian ethic and everything else falls up under. Y'all know what it is? You can find it in John. This is how they will know you. Terry Steptoe, tell us. By the love that you have for one another. That is our Christian ethic. Y'all have heard me preach, love God and love neighbor a hundred times at this point. Are we living that out? Are we living that out? Because I think that's one thing that God's calling us to. He's doing something. He's doing something real. I think he's sick of artificial Christianity. <laughs> Again, maybe that's more me than it is God. But, but uh, that's, that's the message that I've got for you this morning as we lament what's happening to us in 2020, what our communities are going through in 2020, what our personal lives are experiencing in 2020, all of these abnormalities. I don't have any other choice than to do depend on God. What are we depending on? What are we putting our hope in through all this? I certainly hope it ain't people. These are Advent questions. These are things that we, that we ask ourselves. These are things that we lament during this season. And I think this is, I think this is a season that is rife for these types of questions and for these types of prayers. Pray with me, if you will. Merciful Father, we thank you for... For, for this morning, we thank you for the Sabbath. We thank you for the gift of the Sabbath that you give to us, Lord, to be able to worship you, to be able to gather as, a, as, a, as the body of believers. God, if we haven't taken seriously our call to love God and to love neighbor with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we plead for your forgiveness. If we haven't taken that seriously, we, we do fall short. All of us fall short. But if we haven't taken that call seriously, we pray for forgiveness. And we ask God that you would renew our hearts. Renew our hearts. Rend our hearts for you, Heavenly Father, for Jesus, for people. Help us to live out that one ethic that you give us as it applies to our relationships. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to truly love our neighbor as ourselves. May the love of Christ shine through us so brightly that it is undeniable. It is our prayer this Advent season. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.